0: wanted to be in a fancy metropolitan broadcast facility where the most thought-provoking thing within view is an occasional four-car pileup on the freeway below. We like being miles from nowhere in the middle of a vineyard that cannot be seen from the little two-lane road on the other side of that rise. Our barn has awesome acoustics and was built with hand tools over a hundred years ago. Nonetheless, we've got some really state-of-the-art broadcast technology inside and our wine cellar once a root cellar that is absolutely packed with wine we've collected or been given by friends. Welcome. You have just set foot on Grape Encounter's radio property, where we don't believe in no trespassing signs. But let's make this our little secret. Oh, and that wine is protected by the sweetest-looking golden retriever who dated a Doberman for a while, so don't get any ideas.
1: Me some ice. Skin me a peach. Save the fuzz for my pillow.
2: I am in a particularly good mood today because I have just spent the last hour with two of the most incredible people. Uh, We had them on the show, I'm going to say maybe two, three months ago, but we had to do it over the phone, and this is the first time that they have been in the studio, actually in the Grape Encounters Emporium and Studio, and I got to do a little wine blending for them, and tell you what, there is nothing more nerve-wracking than to blend wine for the people who created the largest brand in America. With me today is Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey. They are the authors of the New York Times bestseller, The Barefoot Spirit, and that probably tips you off as to what the brand is that they created, the Barefoot brand,
1: and Michael and Bonnie, welcome.
3: Thank you, David. We are delighted to be here. I'm
1: so glad to have you guys here. Michael? Yeah, it's great to be here. What'd you think of my blends? Well, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, uh, this whole idea is amazing. It's a lot of fun. I got to
2: Blend wine for the biggest names in the wine business. Now, I want to start by saying this. I had somebody come into the wine bar a couple of days ago, and they said, How come you're always talking about barefoot wine? You're really a boutique wine kind of a guy. I actually told them that you guys were going to be here, and they kind of poo pooed that a little bit because Barefoot is a big brand. It's a big commercial brand. You can find it almost anywhere. In fact, somebody said, Yeah, you can get it in a gas station, which is true. But what's also true about the Barefoot brand? is it's probably brought into the wine circle millions, I would guess, of people who might otherwise have not enjoyed wine because it is a brand that was uniquely and is uniquely approachable. Am I right about that? Well, I mean, who was the target for Barefoot?
3: The target for Barefoot was the shopper of wine in the chain stores. It's the female shopper that goes out to buy her weekly staples, and she wants a product. She wants a brand that she can trust in everything that she's buying, and that includes her wine. It's something that she can rely on. It's got a good price, and the flavor is consistent, and that's a real key to the success for Barefoot, I think, is consistent flavor. Also, it's a label that they will recognize and remember, and it's a very outstanding label. So it's easy to recognize, easy to remember, consistent flavor at a good price, and that's what the female shopper wants. She's buying more wines in the grocery stores than anyone
1: else. Michael, you want to jump in? Well, I just want to give some statistics. Uh, You know, 78% of wine purchases are made by females, 37 with two and a half kids, So if you start thinking about that, she's buying her Tuesday night wine. She's buying wine that she wants to taste the same from year to year to year to year. That makes it a little different than vintage wine because if she gets something that tastes funny, she's going to stop buying that product. And it's Tuesday night wine for her. But then again, there's six Tuesday nights in the week. So Barefoot never tried to compete. (laughs) You like that, huh, David? There is. Six Tuesday nights. There's six Monday mornings in my week. I don't know what you're talking well, about. I, yeah, you're having more fun than we are. But anyway, the, the bottom line is that America really needed a good vended tab. And when we started Barefoot, we went to our guru, who was Mark Lyon, who was the top winemaker for Sebastiani wines. So the guy's got a degree in enology and viticulture. And we used to call Mark Mix Master Deluxe. Because he could fix wines that were maybe off or had a problem or too much VA or this or that. And he could create these consistent blends from year to year, no matter what he started with. And actually, that took a lot more skill and knowledge than ventifying wine from scratch on on an annual basis.
2: Yeah, it's, it's amazing to me. And that was the reason that I really wanted to talk to you guys. So I really appreciate, first of all... You coming down here to the studio, I know it's a long journey, and I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you indulging me in doing a little blending. Oh, that was fun, David. You're not strangers to blending, but synthesis <laughs> no. is the wave of the future, I think. And uh, listeners who want to come to the Grape Encounters Emporium, which, by the way, is E-M-P-O-U-R-I-U-M, Emporium. Please come down. I'll whip you up something. And it's a whole lot of fun. But what I think is so interesting is... There are a lot of really good big brands out there that if you're having a backyard barbecue, you're having a family get-together, you're having a tailgate party, you know, you don't have to get fancy because the wines in the $10 price range these days – are better than wines that were three times that price 20 years ago. We've got this thing down pat, and it's companies like Barefoot. You know, Barefoot eventually was bought by Gallo, what, in in 05, right? Yes. If you talk to any wine, and this is what I said to the person who was in the wine bar. I said, you talk to any wine person about Gallo, you will never hear a winemaker disparage Gallo, because Gallo is responsible for uh, maybe most of the innovations in creating great wines. Am I right?
1: I think they've done a fine job of bringing the entire industry forward technologically yeah. and in terms of consistent product. And they've, they've given enologists tools that they never had before. But uh, getting back to what you were saying about barefoot, you know, barefoot, like I said, it was, it was never designed to be a Saturday night wine. It was designed really for folks who maybe they didn't like wine at all. And today, many of these people are enjoying fine wines and fine varietals that they never would have approached before. You know, when we first got started, we got calls from some of the top winemakers in uh, Sonoma and Napa County. And they said, well, you're cheapening wine. You're taking away the mystery. You know, what are you guys doing? You're making a joke out of wine. Ten years later, they would call us up and say, we want to thank you because you filled our tasting room up with people that we know would be still drinking beer if it wasn't for beer. Come on, seriously. Absolutely. They were calling to thank you. Is that right, Bonnie?
3: Oh, yes, they did. As a matter of fact, we didn't have a tasting room, but we would hear from other tasting rooms. And we heard it all the time. Our tasting room was really any place where wine was being poured, like for a nonprofit or for a wine function or something like that. That was our tasting room. That's where we could taste our products uh, uh, with the consumer and we'd get feedback. And what we heard over and over again was Barefoot was the first wine I ever tried. And I tried it because I loved the label and I could remember the label. And then when I tasted it, the price was right and the flavor was really there. It even had a gold medal sticker on the bottle and I could pronounce it. I wasn't intimidated by it.
2: I think the most interesting thing about Barefoot, for me anyway, is you. took a risk that literally has changed the wine world. You two people, more than anybody else, had the audacity to put a footprint on a wine label and make wine fun, and it ticked people off, and now everybody's copying you. We We did
3: that because... We were intimidated by wines ourselves, and we thought it was a crying shame. So we tried to give people something that was non-intimidating, non-confounding.
2: Now, you're in sandals right now, Bonnie, and that foot looks familiar. She's holding her foot up here in the studio. Look at this. I feel like I'm in the Playboy radio studio now. It looks delicious, doesn't it, David? (laughs) Yeah, that is a very pretty foot. And is it? Is that your foot on the label?
3: Oh, yes. That's my foot. Really? Absolutely. So if
2: you ever committed a crime, they could just take the barefoot (laughs) label and match it up to you, and that'd be it. But you'd have to commit the crime barefooted.
1: Oh. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to say that the way that the barefoot label came about is quite interesting because we were trying to collect funds for our friend who was facing a, a bankrupt winery, and he was a grower of grapes. And they weren't paying him. So we went to the winery and we said, listen, you can't pay us money, but maybe you can trade us bulk wine and bottling services and we'll clear the debt. And they agreed to do that. And that's how Barefoot got started. A lot of people don't realize that was to actually clear a debt for a friend. And it's in our book. So... You know, we went to the largest wine buyer in California at the time, which was Lucky Markets, and we said, you know, what should we do? And he said, well, he said, don't make it a leap, don't make it a hill or a mountain, don't make it a bridge. He said, don't make it a chateau, don't put it in French, put it in plain English and make the name the same as the logo.
2: So let me understand this and make sure that everybody out there understands it. You came upon a bunch of wine. Oh, you bet. And you had to do something with it we had to and if you could get rid of the wine you could help a friend who is owed a debt right Bonnie Harvey Michael Houlihan I love talking to these guys they tour the world they tell people how to be successful anyhow uh, huh. The Barefoot Spirit the New York Times bestseller they are real icons not just in the wine industry but in the entrepreneurship world as well we'll be back with more Grape Encounters in just a second don't go anywhere go get a notepad take some notes we'll be right back
0: we're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin Wine Access System costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. Perfectly, The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at grapeencounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com.
2: If you've got a passion for Chardonnay, then you might want to pack your bags at the end of May. Because this year's International Chardonnay Symposium is taking place May 28th through the 30th in the classic Californian beach towns of Pismo Beach and Avila Beach the Chardonnay Symposium brings top Chardonnay producers from around the globe to the California Central Coast wine country for an in-depth and incomparable exploration of the world's favorite grape and its impact on viticulture, tastemakers, and the wine market. The 2015 event lineup will include two grand wine tastings, educational seminars, expert panel sessions, winemaker dinners, and plenty of opportunities to talk Chardonnay with industry leaders, tastemakers, and fellow enthusiasts. The International Chardonnay Symposium on the California Central Coast, May 28th through the 30th. Do you know the way to Chardonnay? Find out everything you need to know at thechardonnaysymposium.com.
0: You're listening to Grape Encounters Radio, where we tell you things your parents never taught you about wine. But don't blame them. Grape Encounters wasn't around in those days.
4: Drinking that barefoot champagne all morning.
2: All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio, and it seems completely ironic that somebody from the wine industry would actually be teaching people in other industries how to make money because the wine industry may be one of the most unprofitable industries out there. It's an easy way to lose money, but we are talking to the pioneers of worthy cause marketing And in an effort to help other people, they ended up building the biggest brand.
1: Is it America, Michael, or is it the world? It's now the largest wine brand in the world.
2: Yeah, you're not responsible for that. You own America, right? Only the DNA. Only the DNA. But, you know, you came up with an idea. See, it's funny because I think people look at the supermarket shelves or maybe they buy it in a packaged goods store, depending upon where you're living, but wherever you buy your wine, they're now used to looking at campy wine labels that have, you know, we call it critter wine when it has pictures of animals because... That's
3: roadkill, Yeah, it's don't
2: road forget kill. Don't yeah. forget
1: bakery goods.
2: Yeah, bakery goods or some sort of sexual innuendo is very common now on wine labels. None of this would have been acceptable 20 years ago. None of it. But you guys came along and you made the first... Really concerted attempt to make wine approachable and friendly. Mm -hmm. Why the foot?
3: Well, grapes were originally crushed barefoot to make wine. That had a lot to do with it. And it was a large icon that's friendly. It's uh, non-confounding, as I had said before. And everybody can relate to it. Everybody's got a foot. And somehow, showing a foot makes people smile. So people would actually start having a good time before they even popped the cork.
2: I think America really, though, wants to know, are your feet happy?
3: <laughs> do you want to see my happy feet dance? <laughs>
2: I wish that we were on television right now because we're all wearing dark sunglasses. How did this start? You wanted to, Michael just said, let's be the Blues Brothers for the rest of this. You are a crack up.
1: Well, you know, I, my attitude is I'm visiting Southern California. We came through Central California. So I'm getting started by practicing my dark glasses. Because we all, wear dark,
2: we all wear dark glasses and baseball caps. That's down here. it. That's
1: it. Okay.
2: (laughs) All right. right, Let's go back to blending for a second because you had this master mixologist that you hired. But you guys didn't know squat about wine,
3: right? No, we couldn't even pronounce the names on the label.
1: No. The thing is, success in business is when you know what you don't know. And you do what you do best and you delegate the rest. And we were smart enough to know that we weren't winemakers. And we were looking for a winemaker that could really deliver what that 37-and-a-half-year-old mom with two kids wanted, and that was a consistent varietal taste from year to year to year to year. Now, the guy who we helped out originally collect his debt, Mark Lyon, he was our first winemaker. And he actually came up with a blueprint for Barefoot's taste profile, and he said, you know. The wines have got a taste more like the grapes taste on the vine. So he would bring us grapes. He'd say, these are Sauvignon Blanc grapes. Taste them. What do you think? Okay, so here's the barefoot blend of Sauvignon Blanc. What do you think? And that really stayed with me. It's a very American, a very Western concept. It's not, you know, wines that have been adulterated or have been overly made or anything like that. It's very clean, it's very down to business.
2: Were you adding additives that were not grape based additives to the wine? No, they were all grape.
3: The seasonings were all some form so of you were seasoning with other grapes. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, there are 200 additives that the uh, FDA something.
2: lets you add to wine, and you don't have to disclose that. Right. How sensitive were you to that?
1: Very sensitive. I mean, we use bentonite, which is a type of clay to clarify the wines, like everybody does. And we use the same processes that most wines use when they make wine. So simple, clean, and basic. You got that right. Fruit forward was another key point that we were looking for. Full mouthfeel, easy drinking.
2: If you just jumped in with us, we're talking to Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey. They were the founders of Barefoot Wines. They are the authors of the Barefoot Spirit, which is a New York Times bestseller. They are the pioneers of worthy cause marketing. But there are two things I don't get. The first is this, you were not massively successful, were you at the time that you took on this project? Or were you? Where would you put your level of success compared to the average American citizen when you first started this?
3: Are you talking about income or? Yeah. Financially successful successful were
2: you, uh, you don't have to put zeros on it, but how successful were you compared to other people?
3: Well, when we first started making the wines the first couple of years, we were actually losing money on every case, but we were making it up in volume, David.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, that's a great way to answer and not answer the question.
1: <laughs> well, uh, l- l- let's put it this way. If you're going to give America a good $5, 6 or $7 bottle of wine, you've got to sell at least 200,000 cases just to break even.
2: Really? So So, so did you guys party when you sold 201,000 cases? Well, let's just say. I think we were
1: working (laughs) too hard. They used to say, you know, why doesn't America have a good $5 bottle of wine? We have the answer. We know the answer. The answer is it's too expensive to do that. You have to be really big. You have to have a huge, huge volume. You have to have huge distribution in order for you to be able to deliver that. And that was what held us back for probably the first five or even six years of Barefoot's existence was getting up to a level where we were actually making and selling enough to sustain the program.
2: Wow. Barefoot created an entry point that was much wider than any other entry point that ever existed in the wine business, hence it became the biggest brand in America is today was sold to Gallo. We're talking to Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey and we'll be back to wrap up this conversation in just a moment. So go uh, refill your glass, you know if you need to refill it with a $60 bottle of Cabernet, do it if you want to refill it with Barefoot, it'll get you in the spirit, the Barefoot spirit. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this.
1: Come back and get him some other day.
2: Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift from EpicStyle.com. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email David at GrapeEncountersRadio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you.
0: If you'd like to hear more no-nonsense talk about wine and all the fun that goes with it, check out winetalkshow.com. At winetalkshow.com, you'll find a massive library of content for fun-loving, unpretentious people who aren't afraid to step outside the lines and challenge conventional wisdom. We'll take you places you've never been before. That's a promise. Expand your wine horizons in unimaginable ways at winetalkshow.com.
2: A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free-trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see MMOrganics.com for more information.
0: And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues.
2: wild okay back with grape encounters radio and just a few more minutes that we get to spend with bonnie harvey and michael hulahan you guys took your sunglasses off oh they put them on
3: why are we doing this again michael because it's fun i'm Uh, not michael
2: oh that that would be bonnie okay you guys are a crack up man you're you're do you guys have this much fun all the time
1: we try Don't
3: we, Bonnie? Yeah, for for 32 years, we've been having fun. Yeah. So
2: we were talking, anyway, um, uh, Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey, the founders of the Barefoot Wine Company. I don't know that we could name another brand that's had as much influence on what we're doing wine-wise today than Barefoot, because it really caused the wine industry to take a hard, sharp turn into new territory Where wine suddenly became not something that mom and dad drank, but that was cool for young people, that was cool for people, and it also made it friendly because wine was never friendly. And if you look at the wine shelves today, you're going to see nothing but friendly labels for the most part, and winemakers and the owners of wineries sit around talking, how can we make our wine more friendly? And you guys did that. You guys did that. Wow. And you're here in my studio in sunglasses and bare feet. (laughs) Wow. That's
3: right. We're still having fun
1: with wine. Yeah. What are you guys doing wine-wise now? Nothing, right? Well, we're enjoying fine wines. I mean, we live in the Russian River Valley, you know. it's Yes.
2: Can I say that I've been to your house
1: and... The finest Pinot Noirs in the world are there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting is now that we're out of the wine business, we're actually enjoying wine. Yeah. You know, when you're on the other side of the bar, you tend to be more concerned about your customer's experience. But now we're getting a chance to see what that experience is, and it's delightful. This is, yeah. a great, this is a great thing.
2: So what's the average amount of money that you spend on a bottle of wine, honestly? For us?
1: I don't know.
3: Um, about? Probably about uh, 15 bucks. Yeah.
2: Serious? So okay. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes 25 But Do yeah. you drink barefoot wines today? Yes, oh, yeah, we absolutely. do. What I think is amazing about you guys is that normally when somebody sells a company, and you sold your company to Gallo in 2005, Normally when somebody sells a company, at some point there's this sort of disconnect that happens and you see how the person who bought your company – is treating your child and you start to feel really like itchy about that mm-hmm. you guys are just the opposite you're wearing barefoot monogrammed clothing <laughs> almost every time I see you Michael you've got something that says barefoot we're you're proud. proud of what Gallo did with
1: the company Yeah, we are proud of the brand and we're proud of what Gallo did with the company I mean you have to remember after they acquired the brand they hired us to be brand consultants because they wanted us to as they put it keep the barefoot spirit alive and we like that term so much that's what we call our New York Times bestseller, the barefoot spirit. But they have really been meticulous in uh, staying true to the DNA of the brand. They hired many of our people, and they've done a fine job with Worthy Cost Marketing. The quality is there. I'm very proud, and so is Bonnie, aren't you, of what they've done?
2: I am. She's like <laughs> sipping a glass of wine over there. Uh, you caught her by surprise. She's got this big smile on her face. I love to catch her by She's surprise. She's drinking my blend over there, by the way. which is It's kind of...
3: delicious. I just finished it off, so we'll have to do this again, David. Do you
2: David? think the blend is masterful, by the way
3: Absolutely. Okay. You're not putting Absolutely. words in our mouth, are you? I'm putting wine in your mouth. You, you are.
1: Well, you have to remember something that Barefoot did that was really different, and that is it was the first nationally successful brand that was non-vintage. Now,
2: And just, you know, there are people that are listening that don't know what that means. There are a few. Most people do, but that just means that the, the wines don't have a date on them because the juice could have come from multiple years.
1: And, and well, it should have because if you're selling Tuesday night wine, staple wine, Supposed to taste the same every day, every year, or you're going to lose your customer who's looking for that consistency. Well, then if you have a bad year, like 98 was a pretty bad year for a lot of reds in California, we just didn't use 98. We used 97. What happened to the 98? We sold it to someone else. What'd they do with it? They bottled it because they had a vintage program. So the idea is and that... The, it,
2: and, and somebody sat there and struggled through that wine. They probably did. Don't you feel guilty about that? You should have just flushed that.
1: Uh, well, no. <laughs> we didn't own the grapes in the first place. All
2: right. So... Okay.
1: But we just let others buy the 98. And we so you
2: just, you just passed. So does I that passed. mean that the next year that you had less wine to sell?
1: No, there's, there's, there's way more wine out there than there is purchase orders. And that's what people don't realize is that we're, we're living in a society as much as we like wine in America and we are the number one wine consumer in the world now. You know, not too long ago, eight times as many people were drinking beer exclusively than wine. So this is like a major change. And now we have a market where people are still discovering wine in America. So we could still sell 10 times as much wine in America as we're now selling. Really? Yes. The door is open. So you're saying
2: everything that we make will be sold?
1: If it's marketed, and if it's distributed, and if it's for sale, and if it's decent, yes.
2: All right, let's talk about the wine industry's dirty little secret. Oh, you're both looking at me. Bonnie's shaking her head no. Bonnie, I'm going to throw this one at you just because you shook your head no. Uh -uh. Now I'm in trouble. The wine industry's dirty little secret. You know, people will go into a wine store and they will see a label that says something like little country winemaker on it. And it's got somebody on the porch in a rocking chair. And it's just this down home. And you get the sense that it's a little tiny down home, home winemaker. And in reality, most of those wines are big, big companies selling those wines under multiple labels. True or false?
3: Um, I, I don't know. A lot of... Come on. Seriously? It's not, large wine companies will put out a lot of different labels. And they do like to appeal to people that think that they're unique. And they're small. And talking about the winemaker on the porch and the rocking chair or something. Yes, that's very cute. And it feels like your neighbor. People like to buy things from their neighbor. It's friendlier. It's somebody they can trust. It's local, and that's a good selling point. It's a good marketing point for these large wineries to be making yeah, but labels isn't it, isn't like it that.
1: Super dishonest. Well, I just want to say this: they're not building any more shelf space out there in the retail world. So when you go into a supermarket, you might see 40 feet of shelf, okay, but you're not going to see 350 feet of shelf, and they're not going to build more just because there's more brands. So when you go to the market, you're going to see the brands that that particular store or box store or chain store or even independent chose to put on his shelves. They're choosing to put brands on their shelves that are going to move quickly. And whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, it's the big boys who control most of the shelf space in the retail store. So how do
2: I as a consumer know whether that little wine is coming from a big producer or a legitimate small boutique winery?
1: It's pretty hard to know, but I will say this. That many large producers are starting to figure out that if they do acquire a small boutique winery, that they bend over backwards to keep the winemaker intact, to keep the whole DNA of that brand intact. Because they know if it starts to taste corporate, that people are not stupid. They're going to pick up on it. So even though it might be owned by a large corporation, it could still be a cutesy little wine.
2: Okay, so let me say this about it, that I respect Barefoot for the fact that they don't pretend to be small and down home. They're a huge brand, and there's no pretense there. You know, we make an incredible amount of wine, consistent, good, you know, delicious. And there are a lot of companies, by the way, Kendall Jackson, Chardonnay, delicious Chardonnay, Kenwood chardonnay delicious chardonnay they're making hundreds of thousands of bottles of those wines and those are premium labels and they're making you know wines that sell at 20 30 dollars or more you can see a wine like Gurgage hills i don't know why i'm picking chardonnays right now but the gurgich hills chardonnay sells for 40 to 50 dollars a bottle and you can find it in almost any really you know respectable wine
1: store in the country Yeah, well, there's the key. You can find it. And the reason you can find it is because they have superior distribution. And unfortunately, when Americans go to the wine shop, they think that's all that there is. Now, you're blessed to live here in the Central Coast where you have a lot of brands that people have never, ever heard of. And I suggest that people come here and actually explore and discover some of these brands that they will never see in the stores. The same thing is true of Sonoma County where we live and Napa County. There are brands that you've never even heard of that you can go discover. But then when you get down to the brands that are in the store, now you're talking about what are my choices for dinner tonight? And so there you're pretty much at the mercy of the distribution system. What's allowed into the distribution system and what gets onto the shelf and stays on the shelf.
2: The last question that I want to ask you that I don't want to end this conversation without asking you because it's something that broils me probably no subject has caused me to become more emotional on this show than these and excuse me but i'm gonna say these sobs who filed this class action lawsuit pertaining to arsenic and wine i'm livid about it because it is the most disgusting despicable there are no words to describe how horrible that action is did you guys ever put arsenic in wine no (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, of course not.
2: No. What do you think about that?
1: Well, it's like crying fire in a crowded theater. It's hard to unring the bell. Yes. And that's what they're doing to the wine industry. It was Even the, if they're they're trying they're wrong, to discredit the they're industry. They're trying to discredit the whole industry.
2: Well, the guy who started all this owns a testing lab, and the same day they came out with the press release on arsenic and wine He was offering up his services For wineries to come and have their wines tested You know, he knew there was arsenic and wine all along He was testing people's wine And he said, aha, got an idea There's more arsenic in wine than water So let's, you know, let's shake things up And let's go for the deep pockets Was this I guy just, a lawyer, by the way? No, he was. was he owns a testing lab It sounds campaign.
3: like he was trying to get his word out there And his company out there Is what it sounds like By discrediting another industry
2: And I think, you know, on Honestly, the wine industry, I think the level of concern about quality and people's health, you know, all of those factors, never been better. I agree. Never I agree better. as well. agree. It's one of the most, I think, distinguished industries in this country. It's highly and, regulated. And one of the greatest points of pride for this country. Absolutely. And, and to go after them was despicable.
1: Yeah, I would say the wine industry, like Bonnie said, it's the most highly regulated industry in America. I mean, you've got to have licenses and approvals for everything you do. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's more regulated than the food industry.
2: Yeah. All right. Guess what? Time's up for today, anyway. Will you guys come back? Absolutely. I can just sit here and talk to you all night. In fact, you know, I've got one more segment we got to do. We're going to do the Grape Encounters News is coming up next. because We've got to tell people what's going on in the industry. There's something going on all the time, you know? You could read about wine 24-7 and never know everything there is to know about wine. That's true. Takes a
3: lot of research, David.
2: All right. We're going to take a break. I'm going to blend you guys up something to get you going for the rest of the day.
3: Yay. And you guys,
2: so much! what a pleasure to have you here. I just appreciate it so much. You have no idea. I really do.
3: You are fun to be with, and you're very knowledgeable about wine. I've learned a lot being here.
2: And a great host. Ah, oh, Awesome. Okay, well, guys, we will uh, have you back really soon. And again, I, I so appreciate it. And thank you so much for what you've done for the industry, because you've brought so many people into the industry. And I own a wine bar, so you know what? I think I need to send you a percentage. <laughs> All right, we'll be back That's with more with me. (laughs) We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this. And be sure to go pick up a copy of the Barefoot Spirit, New York Times
1: bestseller and your new book. I forgot to plug it. It's called The Entrepreneurial Culture, 23 Ways to Engage and Empower Your People.
2: You know that they're not, you know, it's nice that you didn't say like 25 or 10 or 15. It's 23. 23. That's all you could come up with. It's
1: a nice round number. It's not a round number. We
2: ran out. You ran out. Or the bottle got empty. (laughs) We we we,
1: counted them. We'll be
2: back with more Grape Encounters (laughs) after this. (laughs) I've got an $8 bottle of wine Picked it up on sale in the checkout line Oh, it looked pretty good to me Made somewhere in California For that price,
0: honey, how bad could it be? Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in Idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County,
1: California. We're
0: all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin Wine Access System costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe. It's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at grapeencounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com.
2: If you've got a passion for Chardonnay, then you might want to pack your bags at the end of May, because this year's International Chardonnay Symposium is taking place May 28th through the 30th in the classic Californian beach towns of Pismo Beach and Avila Beach the Chardonnay Symposium brings top Chardonnay producers from around the globe to the California Central Coast wine country for an in-depth and incomparable exploration of the world's favorite grape and its impact on viticulture, tastemakers, and the wine market. The 2015 event lineup will include two grand wine tastings, educational seminars, expert panel sessions, winemaker dinners, and plenty of opportunities to talk Chardonnay with industry leaders, tastemakers, and fellow enthusiasts. The International Chardonnay Symposium on the California Central Coast, May 28th through the 30th. Do you know the way to Chardonnay? Find out everything you need to know at thechardonnaysymposium.com.
1: One,
0: two, three, come on! Some people make wine, others make wine news. Grape Encounters presents what we heard through the grapevine. This is Grape Encounters news. It took me by surprise, I must say,
4: I must
0: When I
4: found out yesterday
1: Don't you know that I heard it through the grapevine?
2: All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio, and Larry Gifford had the week off last week. A bad case of wine poisoning is what I heard. (laughs) You heard that, did you? A little too much research work. Yeah, staying up all night (laughs) doing research.
4: You cannot research enough, David, for this
2: show. (laughs) All right, time for the Grape Encounters news with our chief wine news correspondent, Larry Gifford. What you got, Lawrence.
4: When you think of the warehouse discount store, Sam's Club, you probably imagine a box full of paper towels or three gallons of olive oil.
2: I imagine a box full of joiners. <laughs> People who clan together.
4: Oh yes. Is it's
2: a club. I don't join clubs. Okay. Well right.
4: there's one Sam's Club, the one in Freehold, New Jersey, featuring what is being called the most expensive bottle of wine ever. Oh yes. I know this story. Yeah. But was, this is an old story. It's it was first announced in October.
2: Right. They put this incredibly expensive bottle of wine from Australia, right? Yes, Penfolds, a,
4: right? Two thousand four Kalimna Block forty two Cabernet Sauvignon from Penfolds. Yeah, and how much? One hundred fifty $58,000. And that thing hasn't flown off the shelf well, at Sam's it, Club? And can you believe it? It's $10,000 off the retail of one sixty-eight.
2: I mean, uh, it would be silly to put it in a place like Chanel or Tiffany <laughs> or something like that. It should go in a Sam's Club because that's where you're going to have the person that's going to go in and say, you know... Uh, Martha, do we really need an extra bag of those chips when we can actually buy this Penfolds for half? You got to buy do chips. Need, do we Penfolds.
4: need a new house or do we need a bottle of wine? Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> do you know the story on that wine, by the way? They only had like I think 5 of them that came to the US. 3 in the US,
4: well, 12 of them three of them worldwide.
2: And the story is for your money, a top executive from Penfolds will fly out with a special tool because the wine is in an ampoule and you actually have to break this glass off, very carefully cut it off. You don't want the glass to fall inside the bottle. So they come out and they have this special tool and they do it for you.
4: And apparently they wear white gloves and have a big ceremony and everything. But if you buy... A hundred and fifty thousand dollar bottle of wine. Are you opening it? Are you drinking it, David?
2: I think if I was truly wealthy, it wouldn't matter too much, would it? Uh, apparently All not. All right, I'm not opening it.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm not opening it. It's no, on this play, right? No, I'd
2: open some of my, you know, fifty thousand dollar wine. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
4: Here's the here's here's why. I don't believe this hasn't gone off the shelves yet. In addition to the white glove ceremony and the hundred and fifty eight thousand dollar bottle of wine, if you decide to purchase this. Sam's Club's thrown in a lifetime membership for free.
2: Are you serious? Yes. Oh, wow. Let's, <laughs>
4: let, let's,
2: let's book a flight out there and get it. I'd love to be standing in that Sam's Club and all of a sudden hear these words clean up on aisle 23. <laughs> <Look, laughs>
4: uh, <laughs> all right, what else? Not, a, not as funny as a cleanup. This is an update on the Napa quake at Trefethrin. Uh, Trefethrin. Tr- Trefethrin. An update on the Napa quake at Trefethen family Vineyard's a historic winery building dating back to eighteen eighty six was badly damaged in that August earthquake last year,
2: yeah, and a beautiful place by the way yeah
4: it's gone from a cringe worthy lean and bend position to standing straight up again
2: David oh, so they, I guess they won't be selling pizza there. I mean pizza
4: there. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, it went to the chiropractor and had a vertical realignment. you really just used that metaphor I did it needed more than forty inches of adjustment holy smoke, I know so. They uh, tightened cables that were anchored to the foundation of the walls, and they, they were able to get it up in, in just one day. Fantastic. Once, once they figured it out. So it's, so it's,
2: uh, it's uh, a landmark saved. Yes. Right. Love that.
4: Silver Oak CEO David Duncan telling CNBC he knows the economy is back on track because they are completely out of wine.
2: That's it. That's the economic barometer. <laughs> the economic. Well, maybe they didn't make that much wine. How <laughs> well, much did they
4: make? Uh, I don't know how much they made, but not right. nearly as much. Uh, as economy's
2: um, back on track. Uh, if you but, want to know if the economy's back on track, gang, just see how much wine is being sold over at Silver Oak at hundred plus dollars a bottle.
4: That's right. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> that's it. Economy's fine.
4: People are buying our wine again. Yeah. What about us, the little people down here? <laughs> this is this is also the same CEO who told CNBC. But the drought's not really a big deal. Listen to his answer.
2: What do you think of all the water drought stuff in California? You guys talking you about? You know, it's, awesome. a, it's a serious problem for the state and for the population. It's really not that big of an issue from a farming standpoint and certainly from a grape growing standpoint. They don't use as much as, uh, like for broccoli, it's 300 gallons. And, and we had, you know, we've had 33 inches of rain in, in December and, and a couple of little storms. Uh, we just don't have the snowpack. So right. that's really the issue for the drought. Oh, come on now. Seriously? Seriously? Well, he, he, 33 inches of rain in Napa. Uh uh uh. uh Why would he say this is I'm not a big enough I'm looking it up. I'm okay, looking it up. look it up. Look it up. He's, are, is that, he, he's saying 33 inches That's of rain. That's a lot of rain. No, 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 no. Totally wrong. Wait, here, I've got it.
4: All right, I've got a website too.
2: i got it here. I have got weathertotravel.com. They say that it's, uh, they got 127 millimeters of monthly rainfall. Okay, and I'm calculating that to about five inches.
4: Well, I've got five the, inches. I've got the Napa County UCCE saying they had 11.75 inches. All right, so
2: they're saying more than double my number, but then he's doing more than triple right. Napa's number.
4: And All it right. is a big deal to farmers, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, not everybody in California feels that making wine feels that the drought isn't an issue, right? Oh, yeah.
2: And you know what? It's pretty terrible. And, you know, at some point, they'll just cut off water to farming completely. And frankly, I have no idea what the big cities like San Diego and Los Angeles and San Francisco are going to do in California because all of the major reservoirs are basically dry now.
4: Mm. All right, what else? A recent banner headline had China taking over France as the, the world's largest wine-growing region, which is wrong. Yes, they have more acres of grapes now in China than France. Why are you
2: the, telling us a false story?
4: Because I, I'm correcting a falsehood that was on all the trades. Y-
2: it was on all the trades as a matter of fact. And it's and I really, true. I had a really strong belief that that was not true. So
4: right. the total vineyard area in China is 1.97 million acres according to this new study. But less than 100,000 acres are for wine grapes. Everything else is yeah. for table Grapes.
2: That was the hitch that they were discounting grapes in general, and then later on they went, wait a second, wait a second, you're supposed to let those rot first. <laughs> <laughs> and,
4: and so everybody can rest assured France's wine production is four times that of china okay and that's the news as we see it
2: and that's a good thing because i'm not ready for that chinese wine just yet (laughs) all right that's going to do it not just for the news but for the entire show today and what a great show we'll see you next week same time same channel
0: You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounter's microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a
4: breather until next week's edition.